0: Everyone and welcome back to another episode of the X Factor Racing. My name is Sherry Rudock, and I'm going to be your host uh, for this session. I am joined by the lovely and talented photographer Carson, as well as um, and Cora decided to join us from the Replay Vault. So you're going to have the three of us today, and we're just going to have a discussion on some things that we have coming up this weekend, mainly the Belmont Stakes. But beforehand, I kind of want to have a, a little discussion because we've had a couple we've had a couple of days off now and I just kind of want to see what everybody else has seen over the last couple of weeks because As you know, I'm based out of Toronto. So I'm mostly paying attention to the woodbine track at this point. And I've got a lot of exciting news to talk about there. But I'm going to let the other ladies chime in and I want to see what they actually But what races really caught their attention this weekend, because I know one, I can think of at Churchill Downs that I was really, really excited about, but I want to see what everybody else saw. So I'll let you ladies take it away now.
1: You know, this past weekend, I handicapped Woodbine, I think for the first time in almost two years, maybe. It was one of the first tracks that I handicapped when I first got into horse racing, But then as I I was, you know, joining with mentors and things, I kind of moved away from Canada and focused on California and uh, Gorgo with, you know, Kentucky. So uh, it was a delight. I have to say, I probably had the most fun handicapping woodbine this past weekend than I've had in months and months, including the Kentucky Derby, which was just a mind bender anyway, but I, I focused on mostly on races two and four where there were, I guess it was the maidens and Sherry and I had this amazing conversation where she broke down the conditions for me, what they meant, uh, gave me a kind of like hierarchy of what's more important versus what's not important. And even though most of my picks lost and did not hit the board, I have to say it was some of the best fun I've had. And I fell in love with a horse named Basketball Jones. Yes. Uh, So I will be following basketball's career from here on out. How
2: about you, Carson? uh well I was uh, also tuning into Churchill Downs a little bit I kind of bounced around this weekend because I had a lot of milestones for jockeys this weekend uh Julian Leperu hit a thousand career wins just at Churchill Downs mm-hmm. um he has nearly 3,000 career wins um and then Luis Saez hit 3,000 career wins this weekend at Belmont um So, I kind of hopped around a little bit. Um, I didn't play very much. I played a couple of small things at Woodbine as well. I had to jump on the bandwagon with you guys and get in on the turf because it's just (laughs) so much fun to watch. It's so beautiful. and Kaz did amazing. I'm super happy for him breaking on the scene this year. <clears throat> um, and But the one big race that was exciting for me at Churchill was uh, admission office coming back. Uh, he had an injury back um, last year. He'd been off the track for 16 months, um, which is really significant. And the, the last turf force I can remember doing that was bricks and Mortar. And I think that... Um, they just did a wonderful job getting him back in shape and, and fit and um, of course John Velasquez has a great record on the turf and it was very nice to see them do well.
0: So that was the one race that I actually managed to catch while I was at Woodbine and I wanted to see how admissions office would do off of that long layoff. I yeah. followed for quite some time and I was you know I, I still was surprised he went off at seven to one and it was funny because i was actually paying attention to another one in there um gray's fable who is the other lynch horse uh that roger Atfield had trained so there was a there was a cassie a couple lynches in there and and uh, so it was for me i i just happened to catch it at the right time and uh, i loved it i loved it i loved seeing admissions office like that and johnny v actually gave him a beautiful ride from that one hole and i was just i was so ecstatic to see because it is very difficult you know, for them to be able to come back after something like that. And in the way that he did it, it wasn't the biggest field, but it doesn't matter. Like he did it like he never missed a beat. It was so cool.
1: You know, that was one thing that was interesting to me about Woodbine this past weekend was that it seemed like some of the races had huge fields and other of the races had very small fields. Is there a particular reason for that? Is that an anomaly or
0: well, I think there's a few reasons for it, actually. Um, and first of all, I want to say thank you guys for both playing Woodbine this weekend. It was mm-hmm. a lot of, I had a lot of fun and I saw that Carson had put in a couple of tickets too. And um, I'm glad that you guys, because I know that a lot of people aren't really into the synthetic part of it, but our turf racing really is phenomenal.
1: Oh, and- have beautiful turf track.
0: The, the turf was, it was so exciting to be able rail, to be rail side again, and just hear the thunder of the horses coming by you. There's nothing like it on our, because our turf is on the outside of our synthetic horse. So mm-hmm. literally all the fans were standing by the rail, screaming, cheering for horses. And it, it was something that has been missing for the last two years, you know? And again, it was almost like you just had to sit back. And there was no mask. So you could see people's faces again. Even when we went last year, we still were wearing masks. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, it was just, it gave you goosebumps because it was like, we're through it. We're here. We're cheering for our favorite horses. And it was just like, it, it made it all fun again. And I'm, I'm going to tell you a funny story on Basketball Jones. So okay. I, I know his full sister is Dixie Moon. And oh. she would buy Oaks. Um, I can't remember what year because I'm old and I get confused. <laughs> but she actually beat the boys in a two-year-old race here. And she raced in Del Mar at the Breeders' Cup. And um, I got to meet her trainer there. I didn't know her trainer, Catherine Day Phillips. And I just fell in love with Dixie. And, and any time a horse beats a, the boys at two years old and goes on, I, like, I followed her right from the start. And so she she ran a mid-pack. She did great. I think she finished sixth, if I'm not mistaken. And, and I just kind of had developed this relationship with the trainer from there. So I got to know Dixie Moon very well. And um, she was a very particular horse. It took a long time for me to be able to gain her trust in the backstretch. But I was uh, not well at the time. I was having a lot of medical issues. And... She was the one thing that brought me a lot of peace and solace. So sometimes when mm. I wasn't feeling good, I would just go and sit out there and talk to her. And there's a few trainers that I, I owe a lot of gratitude to for allowing me to do that through that really rough time. But Dixie was a different, a different animal. She didn't trust people like you had to prove that you were worth it to be in her inner circle. So wow. thank you for me, I got to follow her. So Basketball Jones is her full brother.
1: Nice. Okay, so it's like six so, degrees of separation, right? Now we're connected right. he somehow. He's
0: just like her except he's a little bit bigger. And like literally um the the owners are fantastic. They bred her, and I've known them from the Dixie Moon days and and everything. And it was like we had this little reunion because you don't know what they're going to do. It was this first time out. He drew the one hole on the turf. Everyone was like, who knows? Went off at 17 to 1 and literally there were screams tears like it was it was one of the coolest things and there was this group of boys there i am saying boys because they were probably young men but, and for no reason at all they were screaming for basketball jones they must have bet him across or something <laughs> And I am telling you, they're his fan for life because he wanted that price. So if he makes it to the queen's plate, he's going to have a whole bunch of fans cheering for him. Absolutely. (laughs) I'll
1: be one of them and I'll be betting on him. It was just such a beautiful race. And I, even though he wasn't the horse that I picked and I probably should have been a little grumpy about that, I couldn't stop watching him. I couldn't focus on any other horse in the race. It was just basketball jones i really enjoyed his running style and it just was a great race and a great way to get me hooked on woodbine to be quite honest
0: well and what was interesting is that was a, a pretty good field in that race. yeah too.
1: yeah and it was
0: he showed grit he showed determination mm-hmm. he hit the rail at one point and yeah. you know and a lot of those horses are queens plate eligible so here's mm-hmm. the difference and that's why i said to you you know what let's take a look at race two and race four Mm-hmm. because you have 3 year olds going 7 furlongs on turf and you have 3 year old me- maiden special weights going a mile and a 16th or whatever on the tapeta surface like two completely different races mm-hmm. but they're all going towards the same goal for so sure I found that, I found that was like something interesting for you if you're looking at looking at the queen's plate or whatever right
1: I am. Absolutely. Cause I know that I want to, I want to follow the journey to the Queens plate, especially now that I've actually handicapped Woodbine. So, uh, I'm very excited about that particular race coming up and it's in November, right?
0: No, it's August, August. Oh,
1: that's sooner than I thought. I thought I was going to have to wait until it was cool outside again.
0: yeah that was
2: one thing i was going to ask you sherry is when i came up for queen's plate uh, i guess it's been four years now it's crazy um it was at the end of june and it was literally the hottest day on record ever in canada (laughs) because i was like oh canada's going to be such a nice break from florida (laughs) it's so hot but it was like june 30th or something it was towards the end of the month and did they just reschedule their um their summer season to accommodate for uh horses coming up north
0: normally they would have it on canada day weekend that's how that was how it was always um in the schedule but what's happened in the last couple years pre-covid is that we tried to do like the weekend racing where we had bands come in and you know we tried to do the whole Whole big weekend festival stuff and i just don't think that it went as planned um and it's tough because it's canada day and we just get out of school at the end of june so people are going on vacation they're going up to their cottages they're they're not thinking of oh you know what let's go out and watch the horse races for a day right and also, if you don't get some races in down south, it's very tall task for a lot of these horses to be ready at the end of June, right? Mm-hmm. So I think once COVID hit and then we had our queen's plate, thankfully we were able to run it. In September, I think it was like, oh, well, you know what? Maybe this is just going to, you know, kind of force our hand to change things. And it, it was brilliant because what we ended up doing, it was like a fall racing festival almost. You had Queens play, you had our Triple Crown, which is three different surfaces, remember, and three different locations. So we go synthetic dirt turf, all different distances. And then they went right into like Woodbine Mile. And so it was just like bang, 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 bang. It was very exciting. And then I, I think too, is now they've realized, oh, like our local people really need the extra time because if you get an injury in april you're done right or if something goes wrong or you need time off or so this way too it doesn't penalize people that can't go down yeah down south to actually you know because a lot of people run at keeneland or or you know just to get those races in which tends to have an advantage on horses that have been sitting idle for five months Mm -hmm. so
1: I had a question about another horse, Sherry, and I'm not sure how familiar you are with this horse. And I can't decide if I really liked the horse and, and its trip or if I just liked the horse's name. But it was allegorical. Now, you and I did have that same pick. And I think he was the favorite in that particular race, but also another beautiful horse and a very strong finish for that particular horse, if I remember correctly.
0: Yeah. So he came to the races late last year. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, They took their time with him and he was with another trainer prior to being with Mark Cassie Mm -hmm. and this trainer doesn't take his, their horses to Florida over the winter. So allegorical, and I don't know the details, but he ended up being in the Mark Cassie barn at Gulfstream. Mm -hmm. And I had him like once the, once the Queens plate nominees come out, I uh, he was on the list. So I I kind of just kept my eye on him at Gulfstream because a lot of times that's, you know, us woodbine people, especially now that they have the tapita surface,
2: mm-hmm. we
0: pay attention to that, right? Because that's where our horses can go and prep now. And he ran two monster races. I think the first one was on the turf, if I'm not mistaken, against two big Todd Pletcher horses. And he just lost by a very short margin. He ran second or something. And I just thought, whoa, he's the real deal. Because you know what? You never really know sometimes. The caliber here after one race, like you yeah. don't really know where they fit yet. And and yeah. nobody really does. But once I saw him being able to hold his own against the big boys down south, then it just it was like, I gotta watch one. I gotta watch.
2: Yeah. And they
0: didn't bring and they he ran the they ran him twice down there, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't rush, they took their time to bring him up here and find a race that they thought would be suitable for him. Patrick Husbands is a very key writer for Mark Cassie, and he was on him. So there was a few light bulbs that kind of went on. And I think he's definitely gonna be a factor as long as everything progresses as it should.
1: Yeah, I really liked him too. Basketball Jones and Allegorical made by Saturday.
0: Yeah, so. Allegorical was very professional. Mm-hmm. And, if, and his rider knows where the wire is, Bill Needle, the second-place finisher, ran monster. Mm-hmm. He, he really did. He ran a monster race. And he, there was no shame in him losing to, to allegorical at all. But uh, and, and this is where it gets interesting because the, the Queen's plate is, there, so many horses have stepped up and stepped into the picture. It's mm-hmm. kind of like we're all sitting back going, wow like they're all just firing from everywhere. Todd Pletcher had another intermischief that is Queens eligible from cheesewood stables that ran a corker on the turf and broke his maid. And, and so that's the kind of the, the thing with, with Woodbine that separates us a bit is if they can run on turf, they can transfer their form a lot of the time to the synthetic surface,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? Whereas with the Kentucky Derby, if you can't necessarily really run on synthetic and dirt, sometimes it takes, you know, mine minus like Animal Kingdom and, yeah. you know, so if, if you've got a horse that's Canadian bred and can run very well in turf races down south, mm-hmm. it opens up a lot of options for people if maybe, you know, they want to give the, the Canadian circuit. Sur- I mean, it's the most prestigious race in Canada, right? Yeah. So So, I think we could see uh, Brad Cox, Todd Pletcher. I think there's a few, and normally we do, but I think it's just starting to be a little bit more on the radar, right? Mm -hmm. Like interstate Dayton could run. She could run in the Queens plate. Yeah, that would
1: be interesting.
0: (laughs) It would be like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of kind of angles that could take place. So I I like it that you've you've actually started at this point, you and Carson, so that you guys can actually see the progression of how the things go over into the next couple months. And I'll make sure to point out the races to kind of keep an eye on.
1: That would be great. That would be super. Because we
0: still have some top two year olds from last year that haven't started yet. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, this is probably one of the deepest crops that I've seen in a very long time. And I'm super pumped. Like after what I saw this weekend and in, in all honesty, it was nice because the turf racing, like if they can run on turf, they can still run on synthetic. You know what I mean? Just because they started their career on turf doesn't mean mm-hmm. that they can't transfer their form over.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I've not looked at that a whole lot with horses. Like when I'm handicapping, I don't look to see how many times they've gone back and forth between dirt or, you know, synthetic or turf, but I probably should pay more attention to that. I do, I do look at it for that particular race, uh, in terms of how many times they've raced on that surface and, and one, but not necessarily, you know, are they ambidextrous, you know, I guess in human terms, but can they do multiple tracks at once? That's interesting.
0: And do they like bigger turns or do they like the smaller inner turns?
1: Good, you know, that is something that I hear Benny South Street talk about all the time at the different tracks, how one turns tighter versus another turn at a track. And it still hasn't really quite dawned on me how that can make such a huge impact on the horse's trip.
0: Well, I'm sure Carson too, you've saw this down south at Gulfstream, right? Where there, a lot of the races that they were taken off the turf, they ran on synthetic, right? Yeah, because that so was the, the purpose of it, right?
2: Right. And they ended up putting the tapeta surface in between the the inner turf course. So they replaced the outer turf course with the tapita. And then, of course, the dirt course is the outside. And Gulf Stream has quite a wide turn. Um, <clears throat> so that's um, been interesting watching the uh, turf races there with those tight turns, and the, especially the longer ones when they go a mile and a half. Um, yes. And they have to go around three, <laughs> three four times. Um, it's uh, pretty interesting to watch their strategy change as they have to shift um, to a wider turf course. You know, if, as you said earlier, the Woodbine turf course is outside and that's very wide turn. It's a lot more comfortable, um, mm-hmm. so to speak, for them to move that way. <clears throat> um, so it is interesting to see how they've done down here. They'll have to have run on either the uh, tapita or the turf on the inside at Gulfstream and then move up to the wider turn up there so it's wow. nice to see that allegorical did well shifting did uh him? so to speak did you
0: see him this week, <laughs> way i
2: didn't know i didn't see him um i i caught in uh later in the day um i was just reading up on some of the notes from the earlier um races before i played like a late pick four and i did some singles later in the day hmm.
0: So what did you find when, you know, because I know that your home base is, is down in Florida, when you were handicapping the tapita. <laughs> okay. horrible.
2: I do horrible on it. I don't know why. Um, and but when uh, you
0: handicapped Woodbine, did you, <laughs> like, did you think of how you handicapped Gulfstream and then brought that over to Woodbine?
2: I don't know what it was with um, Gulfstream adding in the tapita. I felt like, I couldn't uh this year I just did not handy and historically speaking my percentage was actually very good at Gulfstream it's probably the track that I've watched the most in person on tv etc um so I'm not tooting my own horn so to speak as far as capping Gulfstream but for I don't know what it was with this year adding in the um synthetic it would especially in doing the horizontals if you would have a synthetic race in between I just I couldn't get it I could not um get it down but I did much better at woodbine um on the turf races and the synthetic there is the one leg of the late pick four that I missed so I seem to have this this uh one-off uh curse and synthetic is definitely my uh Achilles heel
0: <laughs> but now right like you could if you watch Woodbine or even like would you pay attention to it more knowing now that there is the tapita down in Florida because honestly yeah. like a lot of people, Woodbine probably will winter down there
2: yeah I mean I would think so you know I followed um Some horses north of the wall, if you will, for a while. Uh, Wonder Godot, of course, we followed up when she went up for queen's plate and uh, did synthetic there. And then I followed her to Saratoga for dirt um, stakes later in the year or the summer, rather, when the queen's plate was earlier in the summer. That was kind of the logical progression, especially for the Cassie Barn horses. Um, So, yeah, I think that for sure that would be a, a big benefit for the championship uh, series, uh, for Gulfstream that runs December to, um, April or early April-ish. Sometimes they try to wrap it up at the end of March, um, and then switching to the synthetic up, uh, at Woodbine in the summertime.
0: So I, that's going to be an interesting yeah. thing to watch for, mm-hmm. I think, right? Because I honestly think that a lot of our high, higher profile trainers that go south are going to go south mm-hmm. a little earlier now, right? Because, the hey, the weather is nicer come October <laughs> November, but then you know they're, they can they they have they feel more competitive maybe just because of the surface.
2: Yeah, I would agree. It's a you know a more likable surface than the two uh, turf courses at Gulfstream have been in the past. Um, they're actually getting ready to rip up that inner turf course and redo it. Um, I talked to Tony who's the track superintendent at Gulfstream when I was down for Florida Derby and he's a master um, I think third generation grounds um, supervisor so he has all this knowledge on turf and types of uh, surfaces that work well and so I'm excited to see what they do with that inner turf course there Um, and then now with the the buyout of Calder, and then now the elimination of Gulfstream Park West, uh, there won't be any off months from Gulfstream, Maine. Um, so I hope they do run the, um, with this new turf course coming in, they're able to run that turf and synthetic year round also.
0: Right. That's incredible. And so, like I was talking with the Woodbine people this weekend, I said, you know, there could be a whole (laughs) tapita circuit really between Gulfstream and Turfway. And, and here, right? So I think for people that maybe do have those synthetic specialists that maybe feel kind of left out of the higher profile dirt races or such, that might just be another option for them. And maybe that's something that can, you know, just give, give people a, a different place to run and different, you know, as opposed to being, oh, well, there's only Tapita here, so we gotta go there. And, you know, I think that could be something that's very interesting going forward. And, you know, especially with like Caitlin and her Turfway knowledge, I think a lot of the Turfway horses actually were very live coming out of there Hmm. this year, right?
2: Yeah, didn't they have like the highest uh, percentage coming over to Churchill for the spring meet uh, as far as uh, hitting the board in this uh, recent meet at Churchill? I think that that was... Um, one of the articles that I read and one of our statisticians, <laughs> if you will, put that together that the Turf Way, which is coming over to Churchill for this meet had um, had run the the best coming over. So it's interesting.
0: So see, and Cora, now with you um, handicapping the, the Kentucky circuit, like you're saying, mm-hmm. right? you've got a lot of surfaces to deal with. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: And the trick of that for me is that I really only feel comfortable with the dirt. Like if, if I have to make a pick for a dirt race, I, I feel fairly confident, but when it comes to turf and this is something that everyone I know picks on me about, they're like, Oh, turf is so much nicer. And I'm sure it is. I just can't handicap it properly. So my, my winning percentage with turf and, and synthetic is just a an entirely different planet to me uh is really low and so the more practice i think with turf uh that i can get i think the better
0: but i think that's a common thing like mm-hmm. i remember when i first started handicapping i was very intimidated by turf mm-hmm. and i didn't really understand the dynamics uh, mm-hmm. of you know how where you had to be position wise because i think dirt a lot of people just are more speed bias mm-hmm. for the most part right? So I think turf, it just has its own element because I think there's a lot more strategy per se.
2: Well,
1: and that's one thing like Benny loves turf races. And since he's one of the people who I talk to, you know, every day, whether I want to or not because of work, he will (laughs) give me these kinds of tidbits where he's, you know, and, and he's going to kill me if I get this wrong, but I believe he told me that they run faster on turf and they're actually faster at the end Versus on dirt where the horses are faster at the beginning and slower at the end where you can watch them back up. And so I think even when I'm watching a turf race, I'm still waiting for those horses in the lead to back up at some point and they don't, they could run forever for whatever it looks like, you know? So it's, it's interesting. And I do want to spend more time with turf uh, and figuring it out.
0: I think honestly too, like um, with With us having the synthetic surface, that Mm -hmm. helps to a certain degree because you'll figure out pretty quickly the difference in trips between a synthetic surface and a turf surface. Even though they do seem to kind of like you can transfer your forms vice versa, Mm -hmm. you'll still be able to see that some horses, especially ones that have the really in depth turf breeding, their Mm -hmm. turn of foot is much quicker.
2: Oh, wow.
1: Okay much is, is synthetic any safer for
0: the horses because i know turf can be tricky for them at times you know i i'm not an expert in this field and i've heard mm-hmm. pros and cons on both sides of it mm-hmm. um i think personally just given where we live and because yeah. we race into mid-december yeah have a surface that can handle freezing gotcha Mm
2: -hmm.
0: right so like you can't with with dirt that just doesn't work
2: yeah
1: yeah
0: right and i mean we have fort erie as well but fort erie's meat is way shorter than ours i mean we run from april to december which is basically like three seasons in canada Mm -hmm. (laughs) sometimes four (laughs) (laughs) And Carson always comes up when it's the hottest. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds about right. Um, it, It was super hot that I, like, I remember I was literally... I had a fan, I think a personal fan. I was dying yeah. and I had a black dress on, and I was just like, oh my God, I'm wow. so going to melt. Like it was disgusting.
1: Oh, and I like, can imagine the humidity. Living in Los oh, Angeles, yeah. I don't have to worry about humidity. Oh, yeah,
2: that's yeah so. that's the thing. And as someone had asked me, and speaking of synthetic, I'll just continue on that topic too. They asked me, why is the Tapita surface different <clears throat> at Woodbine and at Gulfstream than it is at Golden Gate? And then, of course, Arlington had the black. Tap at a surface also. And I like, well, typically Chicago would not have that high humidity, although in recent years, I feel like their summer got pretty bad. But Golden Gate just doesn't get that humidity like we do over on the East Coast here. Mm-hmm. And could you imagine a black synthetic surface that Gulfstreamer would find oh. in the summer? I mean, it would have to be a thousand degrees. It would be a nightmare. Yeah. Well,
0: I was here when they were ripping up our old surface, right? Um, the year that they did it and it literally looked like a big black pile of dirt. And I didn't even really realize it until the new surface came in. And then I went to Arlington Million that year. <laughs> I was like, "Whoa." <laughs> and I literally could just feel the heat radiating off of it, right? It yeah. was it was out of a- Yeah, it was. Uh, Yeah, it's like
2: walking on asphalt. I have the pair of shoes that I wore to Arlington are ruined because they're just covered in (laughs) melted rubber.
1: (laughs) Oh, you know, that's one thing I always ask Benny whenever uh, I have to go out to Santa Anita for Trip Note Pros. He gets me into the craziest places, but I always want to step on the track. I want to walk the track. I'd love to know like how deep is the dirt? Like how loose is it? You know, that kind of stuff. And he just makes, he makes fun of me. He laughs at me. He's like, I'm not taking you on the track. Uh, mostly cause I can't, but I think it would be fascinating and, and help me understand a lot more if I could put my foot in the dirt. <laughs> you know what I mean? It sounds silly, but I, you know, like to have that sensory experience. So maybe one day.
0: So here's a question that I have actually for you ladies now, with the Belmont coming up.
1: Ooh, exciting!
0: Thinking about it. yeah. So you know what? I, um, no synthetic. Drop. No <laughs> synthetic. We're going back to dirt now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was thinking about that this weekend actually, because there's so much debate with the Belmont, uh, and obviously post positions aren't drawn yet, so we don't know who's mm-hmm. in post what and 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 such and such. So. And I think we're down to a field of eight, if, if I'm not mistaken, at this point. Um, Nest is in there, so we do have a filly that's going to be competing. There's so many different interpretations of the Belmont. So many people want to focus on the horse that's closing, um, and and not the person, or not the the horse that's taking the lead. And so when you guys are going to look at the race, what 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 feeling do you think the Belmont what type of runner do you think you need? And the reason why I'm asking that is because this weekend we had, and I know that Carson paid attention to this one. We had the Phillies running in the Belmont, mm-hmm. and Dreaming of Drew ended up winning it for Barb Mitchell all the way on the lead. And this, yeah. and this horse actually, um, I'm, I'm not saying she's only a sprinter, but that's like, she's only routed once I think other than, than this race. And so when you looked at it on paper, I was like, ooh, someone's going to go with it. They're not going to look And every time I think that there's a lot of speed on paper, sometimes like I shouldn't say all the time because of rich strikes win, but that was suicidal pace. But 90% of the time that pace does not transpire. So if that's the case in the Belmont, then it's the closers aren't going to the closers aren't going, it's not going to do anything. So there's always this debate. Do you need a closer? Do you need somebody that can just run forever? Do you need somebody that's got high cruising speed that can take them wider wire? What do you, what is your criteria when you're going to be looking at the Belmont this weekend?
2: So, Oh, sorry, Uh, Carson. No, you go uh, ahead, Carson. um, So my, I'm first going to look at, um, of course, nest because I've probably seen her run the most out of all of them. Um, And it's, an uncoupled entry technically Modonical's a closer <clears throat> um and nest can run forever i mean she just doesn't seem to be taxed i understand she hasn't crossed the wire first but even in her quote unquote losses she's just a she's just a huge runner like she just she's there she can set off the pace and i'm going to look and see at i guess i'm going to try to strategize as if i were <laughs> in with those uh, if I was in Todd Fletcher's brain for a moment if I may <laughs> um, and see how you would set that up would you send her to the front and let her set a pace that you know Modonical can close to or do you have to um and have to account for Rich Strike and how he really just shocked everybody I think that everybody's trying to play for the unaccountable anymore um, this year has just seemed to open up a lot of different running styles that were really not there before. It used to just be go to the front and that was the conveyor belt to the finish. Um, so I think you have to look at a couple of alternate style um, running teams, if you will, uh, for the Belmont. And uh, I also still like Barbara Road. I watched him run at Oaklawn. Um, I think he's a very smart horse. I like his uh, jockey trainer team. and. Um, I think he definitely has the stamina for it, and probably look at those three and see where I would put them. I don't think I can narrow it down to one yet.
1: Yeah, I think we're we're on the same page for the most part, Carson. I like Nest, although I'm not really sure why I like Nest yet. I can talk more about Barbara Road. Um, I like Barbara Road because I like that he edged out Secret Oath to come in second for the Derby. Was it the Arkansas Derby? Yeah. Um, I thought that was sneaky. I thought it was fantastic and it gave me the racing experience that I wanted. So even though I love Secret Oath as much as I do, I have been trying to keep an eye on CyberKnife and Barber Road because I I loved that race. Um, And also uh, I was upset to hear that Ethereal Road wouldn't be running because I kind of have a crush on D-Wayne Lucas. And because of, you know, Secret Oath and all that. So I didn't get to see Ethereal Road in, what was it? The Preakness, but I, you know, I was hoping to see, uh, see him here. But for me, I'm going to find a way to work with Barber Road and um, Nest. And Rich Strike, I'm really hoping Lightning doesn't strike twice. And I like a closer. So, and I believe Barbara Road is a closer. Am I correct? I could be very wrong. I like a closer because... Every time I see a horse go straight to the lead, I'm like, oh, he's going to lose his energy. You know, they they won't have enough. They won't have what it takes to maintain that, that pace. So I like a closer because I believe slow and steady wins the race. So.
0: So again, so now is that what you guys are hoping for when you're handicapping? Do you think the Belmont is suited to be a closer's race?
1: I'd love it to think be it's
0: somebody with <laughs> stamina. So this is, so see, this is the, this is the thing. This is the, the conversation I find that always comes up with people when it's the Belmont because it is the mile and a half and it's always a question, mm. right? So if there's no pace, what if everybody sits back?
1: Yeah. And see, that's the thing too. That's really hard to, to answer that question the way I'd love to with passion because I haven't seen the draw yet. And I feel right. like once I know who's in the field, I can start separating by speed, stalkers, closers, and then make a better, more informed decision once I see exactly who I'm working with. So we probably should have done this on Wednesday after I had yeah, my because, tooth pulled.
0: You know what? I think that this is, I, I, well, I kind, of, I kind of get where you're coming from, but yeah. again, you know on Twitter, everybody has their opinions.
1: Oh yeah, and everybody's gonna be with- right.
0: Right, right. And so that's kind of where I'm going with it because, you Mm -hmm. know, I wonder, you know, nobody can wire the Belmont well and then Mm -hmm. somebody wires it. And then, you know, like I just wonder this year how it is going to shape up because where is the speed? Nest, like Carson said, like is she going to be the the kind of rabbit for Mo Donald Like, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. there's a couple of uh, different little factors you kind of have to, taken into consideration. And Ethereal Road, I believe he was the only closer that day on Preakness Day, mm-hmm. right? So he closed against the bias, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah. nobody,
0: nobody from the Preakness is in here, are they, are they? I believe, no.
1: I don't think so. I didn't see any names that Creative looked Creative Minister. Oh, oh, that's right. Creative Minister, the McPeak, is he the McPeak horse? Yes. Gotcha,
2: okay.
0: And, or, or is we, the people maybe going
2: to go. I think so. Um, you know, the only thing that I saw today was that Bobby Flay bought in to we, the people. So I, I think the road office is, is going to have him go. Um, and I, I'm was- not sure about the distance for him. However, he of course loves dirt and is, uh, obviously an impressive runner and can go to the front. Um, he's got that high cruising speed. Yeah. Right.
1: Can I say though that Mo Donegal gives me very strong, always a bridesmaid, never the bride vibes. So I don't necessarily know that this is his race either. I kind of feel like that horse is but,
0: peaked. But that could be said about Barber Road too. All right, easy, Sherry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, no. That's
0: very true. Yeah. <laughs> always a no, bridesmaid. Just to be never... the devil's advocate, right? So I true. mean, <laughs> yeah.
1: That's very true. Yeah, Barbara Rhodes has had quite a few chances, and uh, hasn't hasn't well, kissed her his prince yet.
0: I have run second in every uh, like Triple Crown race so far, so I guarantee yeah. just mm-hmm. back wheel whoever I pick.
2: <laughs> well, I, what I find interesting is, of course, you know, Ridge Strike's running style is a deep closer, but they, they have been. Working him out. I mean, he didn't get one day's rest. He was back on the work tab and they are exercising this horse two to four miles. So, are they working on his stamina to change his running style up a little bit? Or are they just trying to? I mean, they don't call it Big Sandy for no reason. It is a deep, like you were, and Corey, you were saying you wanted to step out on the track and see how it is. Mm And Belmont is like running on deep sand in Fort Lauderdale, it is a deep track um and it is big wide turns um wow. so i think you're gonna have to have a little bit of both in this race and maybe he maybe he does have the stamina in the closing factor and puts both variables in for the race i you know i don't know
0: yeah um, this is a very different track uh and cora compared to churchill downs okay uh, yeah it's very deep very tiring and and i think that that's just a common snippet of knowledge right like just, Mm -hmm. and it's the same thing and again you're gonna have that with a lot of the dirt tracks too like there's certain horses that don't run well over Churchill either yeah you know for whatever reason mostly probably because it's like they think it's speed bias or or, so you know what I mean like but at Belmont for sure like the horses Mm -hmm. will have to be fit or they will tire quickly like it's just it yeah so so that's the thing. Mm-hmm. And that's why it is the ultimate test. And in that
1: case, I, I stick by my answer then. I would love for it to be a closer who wins.
0: They're a mile and a half. Like, you know, our outside turf that you watched,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's a mile and a half oval. So Belmont okay. has those big sweeping turns that our turf has. No gotcha. tight, turn, right? Pimlico okay. has the tight turns in case you didn't hear that one on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah,
1: right. Twitter. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah. So laughs> Belmont's
0: right, big sweeping turns so speed i don't think is really and, and sir winston he's a perfect example like he just kind of sat and bided his time and let everybody up front like it basically the race fell perfectly for him mm-hmm. and i was there I, I was there at belmont that was the only one that i've been to yeah and it was really interesting because it just it was perfect for him it yeah set up just and and it was awesome. I forgot you were there.
2: I recorded you in the paddock doing an interview. <laughs> <It was laughs> like, all my, everything runs together anymore. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was an interesting race. And the other part of that race that I thought was great was, uh, Hovia closing like that. You know, he had, he had a very cool backstory as well. It was actually like a pony horse and Monmouth and had a had a very wide background um and they pulled him back into active active duty as it were with active racing and had him run belmont and he was there he was up there at the end so it was very very cool do
1: you guys think ethereal road will run again or because this injury that he has how serious is that i I
0: don't
2: know yeah it just says quarter crack. I don't find that he is a big horse. I mean, he's just a big guy. I gotcha. It's I mean, possibly he overreached and, you know, he's, is uh, just a big bodied animal. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, didn't uh, California Chrome have a quarter crack and he's three-year-old yeah. and he came back and, and, and did everything as we all saw. Perfect. Okay. That makes me happy to hear betting wise. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and you know, don't forget there's Saratoga. There's still like the mm-hmm. the midsummer derby, I think they call it with the traverse yeah. and the Haskell, and so there's lots of other races still, right?
1: Yeah,
0: awesome. So there's no need to really push him or, you know, yeah. run if he's not hundred percent. And he had a very big effort that day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it was a speed bias track and he closed. So, you know it's going to be interesting to see what he does next coming out of that. Like, I, I don't know, he would have been on my, my, I'm not sure radar for, the gotcha. for this. Well, I
1: know like when I watch baseball games and one of my favorite pitchers or whatever has to go out for Tommy John surgery or something like that, I'm like, Oh, he's ruined Tommy John surgery, you know, and then he comes back and I was right. He was ruined by Tommy John's <laughs> surgery. So I didn't know if this was, you know, like one of those injuries where it was like, ah, serial road will never be the same, you know? Uh,
2: I think. Nice yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't like, like Sherry was saying, you know, he ran big on, pre, even though it was the undercard, he was still on preakness day. And that's still yeah. a big turnaround, even with the extra week. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, I just, the the tommy johns just makes me laugh because i sort of feel like that's when the the trapped epiglottis story or you know Mm -hmm. i feel like it's the uh that's the surgical excuse for oh they're gonna go to the breeding shed now
1: Um, yeah yeah (laughs) exactly we're we're gonna put this one out to pasture he's precious he's just gonna throw balls back and forth real casual like um So, yeah. And betting is something that is actually starting to frustrate me. I wanted to bet a lot uh, wood, at Woodbine this past weekend. And Sherry, you and I ended up talking about purse sizes and how much bigger they are than, you know, some of the other tracks I've handicapped. But I'm struggling to figure out what bet suits me best. Like right now, pick threes and pick fours are beyond my reach. I'm almost going race by race. And it scares me to think that far ahead and bet that far, far ahead. So what right. structures are you guys using?
0: Well, firstly, don't overwhelm yourself. That okay. is the best. That's, that's slow and steady, like you said, right? Mm-hmm. That's the type of horse that you like with the big clothes at the end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> slow and steady right now, because there's a lot of when you're doing those type of sequences, there's a lot of different races in those sequences too. Mm-hmm. And I find like, if you're not a consistent player at Woodbine, it's it's difficult to put together pick threes and pick fours and pick mm-hmm. fives, right? Because you're yeah. handicapping possibly three different surfaces. Like, yeah, they the late pick four, three turf and one synthetic. Mm-hmm. And one, like, I think they were on the different turf courses too, mm-hmm. so. You know, you have to, you have to kind of just think about what, what am I trying to achieve as a better, am I trying Mm -hmm. to pick a winner in one race or am I trying to pick a winner in four races? Start off small, try to get one, right? Because you want to have that confidence in yourself and your ability before you start carrying on to the others.
1: Yeah. And involving math and calculators.
0: (laughs) Well, you could you could even do daily doubles. <laughs> That's what I started with on Woodbine. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, very minimal, a teeny horizontal, if you will.
0: <laughs> but but it's true, right? Like, yeah. when you have fourteen horse fields, mm-hmm. and you're trying to play a pick four. You're already putting yourself in a very difficult position, mm-hmm. unless you have a solid favorite that you want to use as a single. And I'm not talking everybody else's favorite. I'm talking your favorite.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You know what I mean? So I honestly, when I got here, it was the daily doubles because I even found doing exactors was hard sometimes when you have a 12 horse field. Yeah. The the good thing is, is you can do $1 exactors. You can do $1 daily doubles. Mm -hmm. And if you want to do a pick three, or if there's four, races that you really like and you want to try it you can do it for 20 cents so you so don't I, have yeah. to spend like 50 dollars on a pick four ticket
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah some of them were getting big
0: <sighs> well you know what and i'm being that's being liberal like usually mm-hmm. if, if you're if you're playing four races that have 10 to 14 horse fields then mm-hmm. you know 50 bucks you're really liking a single somewhere
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wow
0: right but it does give you the chance to at least try a couple different things without having to spend a whole lot of money
1: that, and, and that makes sense
0: and mm-hmm. the payoff could be quite good because we do get a lot of prices that come in
1: i noticed your first two races you hit bombs those were amazing
0: yeah like that daily double paid 260 bucks or something like that <gasps> so you know you know what sometimes you don't need Hit the pick four. You know what I yeah. mean? You just have to kind of if you, and and I liked basketball jones. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to play the double on either side because if I picked him second originally in my plays, but I planned mm. on using him because I figured if he took to the turf, he'd be in there somewhere. Yeah. So I doubled him on both sides. I did play a pick five because I liked him. So he was in my pick five, but I lost in the third leg. Ooh. Fortunately, my horse ran second, but I hit all of the other ones, and it was a, it was like a three thousand dollars pick five or something. Oh, but I only spent wow. i I only spent like twenty two dollars.
1: Gotcha, and that's about what my budget is when I'm betting. I know what my cutoff point is. Nobody's going to have to call any hotlines to get me help or anything. I have very good, solid boundaries. <laughs>
0: that's not the- though the point is just to try to get your feet wet like honestly playing super effectus, you could tell me how to play them i'd be like i have no idea right like, I, just my brain cannot comprehend how to put together a super effectu. and like, so i'm like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna i really like this horse i'm gonna single it to win and unless i go all 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 under forget it i'm never getting it <laughs> So there's just some things that work for you and some things mm-hmm. that don't. And you just have to figure out when you want to take that, that dive and mm-hmm. when you don't want to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Queens plate. If you want to do a pick three, you can do a 20 cent pick three. You don't have to do a dollar pick three. It allows you to like spread in those races where it's like, uh, I don't know. And I've seen some ginormous payouts on a 20 cent you know pick pick three or pick four and that's the fun part that's how you learn because then you can look and go okay on my ticket where could i have added where could i have left and the only way you're gonna get better at it is to actually do it
1: agreed absolutely
0: and you know what when you're doing it for pretend which i did a lot trying Uh to teach myself I found that I wasn't paying attention as hard as if I had money on the line.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It sounds like my college career. It didn't mean a lot to me until I was (laughs) paying for it. Yeah. (laughs) It's true though, because when I'm just doing these, these picks for whatever league we're in, you know, um, it, it means a lot to me, but if the horse doesn't win, I'm like, yeah, next weekend. But with my money on the line, I'm like, that horse had better
0: cross that line you know <laughs> so. That's true. like I didn't so for my play of the day I didn't use basketball Jones and I didn't pick I didn't play anything in the first but I had handicapped it so I'm like okay if I have a, if I had like this 17 to one not and I don't play it and it comes in I'm going to be so mad at myself mm-hmm. I'm going to be so mad especially because I know the backstory and I know his what his sister accomplished mm-hmm. and You know for me that was like a full circle moment everything fell into place as it should it kind of made up for all those bets i made that were really really bad (laughs) because you do a lot of those it's like you know what Mm -hmm. when you find a partner you have to kiss a lot of frogs before you find the prince right same thing you have to make a lot of mistakes before you can actually get to that winning point of it right
1: absolutely yeah and I think that's why I love that race with secret oath so much. Cause that was a bet that I put down a lot of money on, not a lot, a, a lot for a teacher. For you? Yeah. For me, it was a lot. I put down the most I've ever put down on a bet and she won. And I was like, that's it. I, you now have a home in my, my house. You're welcome anytime, <laughs> you know? So yeah, it's fun. But I'm enjoying the, all about. the betting
0: mm-hmm. and you did the work. You for felt sure. very good about your opinions. Mm-hmm. And you know what, when you, when that, when you actually go through the process, because I say this a lot to people, because when you do make when you do handicapping a lot, you have to trust your process. Mm-hmm. And I find when you start straying from your process, that's when you really start betting silly or betting outside of your parameters and things can really go downhill fast and you lose a lot of confidence. You, you, you know, and that's almost the time when you would say, hey, OK, I take a step back, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, When you're able to actually, when it unfolds, how you think it's going to unfold right from the start of the race to the finish, which you did, Mm -hmm. that's the best feeling in the world because you, you, you envision that, right. And it doesn't, Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't always happen. Yeah. How many people were wrong? 90% at least.
1: Yeah. I don't even want to talk about the money I lost on that race.
0: We all knew the pain, but you know that's that's what I mean. It's roller coaster, highs and lows. Mm -hmm. But when you have your process, which I know I have my process, and Mm -hmm. when I'm going through those times where my handicapping is not going well, I just have to believe in myself and I have to go back to the basics. And if it goes back to win place or daily doubles, then that's what it does. Mm -hmm. And I wait until I get starting feeling better about myself that I'm seeing things better. Mm-hmm. and I think that Carson can understand that too like when you're not saying because she's the one off so
2: <laughs> I know I just uh, at least I'm consistent right um but yeah I know you know I tried to look into uh, a couple of different uh tools handicapping tools just to kind of you know play with things a little bit and see you know look at race shapes or um I know optics is very popular, um, but. I don't think that my brain just doesn't work that way. Um, and this is actually a guest that I had wanted to ask on to the show later on in the year is uh, Jeff with Charting Horse Value. And I guess I'll plug him here now since I've brought it up. Uh, okay. But uh, my brain, my, uh, you know, half autistic uh, <laughs> heart brain and OCD mind likes to see the colors and the in the organization that he has for how he does the races and I've done pretty well using that and then as the uh, group chat or other people um that I handicap with in Florida refer to as my witch picks I'll just pick somebody based on a name which is just dumb it's like dumb roulette you know Mm. but I just I I don't know why it's just like it's just dumb luck more than anything um, or I've watched this horse run and I have some emotional attachment. So mm-hmm. I, I'm putting um, my emotional experience ahead of statistical value sometimes, but that's yeah. what's worked for you know vertical stuff for me uh, is okay and uh like I mentioned in one of the earlier podcasts I tried to branch out and do horizontals <clears throat> um and <laughs> I'm just always one off <laughs> so, it doesn't matter it could, uh, if I would prefer to be the first leg and then I'm not invested um mm-hmm. and then uh, of course missing two legs would be much better because I don't feel as bad as just missing the one but uh it's uh, it doesn't matter where I play I could have never seen the track before and I'll always be one off On a pick three, on a pick four, on a pick
0: five. Uh, (laughs) Eventually you're gonna get it.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. And it'll be a monster.
0: And I think, see, I think Carson brought up a really, really interesting point here is we all have different ways of learning and viewing things. So everybody's mind works differently and you have to find what works for you. Mm -hmm. And you have to you have to remember a lot of people are looking at the same information, Mm -hmm. but we're all deciphering it differently absolutely that's what makes everything the odds different right Mm -hmm. but if a lot of people are looking at the same things well then everybody's going to be making the same bets Mm -hmm. if it's if it's not a little bit more in depth Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so and that's why i said to you and cora when we had our our, our talk there it's like don't get overwhelmed with information Mm -hmm. take it piece by piece and take it slow by slow like. Betting strategies evolve over time. They evolve Mm -hmm. as you evolve. It evolves as the races evolves. It evolves as, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's a whole process. And that's why I always go back to trust your process because it's taken me years to figure out how I like to play and how I want to be. And live how everybody else, do I listen to what people talk about? 100% because you can, You can always improve, but you have to figure out what parts that people tell you that you can use to your advantage and will Mm -hmm. help you be a better handicapper and player, not what they think is better. And sometimes when things are going bad and you just can't figure it out, bet something that is like, I'm a Scorpio. If I see anything that has Scorpion in it, bang, I'm betting it. Yeah. Anything with my daughter's name in it, bang, I'm betting it. (laughs) (laughs) Because sometimes you just need to be like, Thank you. I did no work and I won. Yeah. 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 <laughs> just because funny. you need that whatever. Whether yeah. you, you know, I'm 11-11 birthday. I'll bet the 11 in the Kentucky Derby every year. Just because. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and you know I what? Sometimes it. that's just not bad. You just need to remember that, okay, this can be a fun thing too. Instead of stressing myself out all the time and overanalyzing and overthinking and what am I doing wrong? You just take a program, go to an OTB or go to the track, sit there, breathe in the air, watch the horses, and just don't try to think too far ahead.
1: Oh, it's a beautiful sport, isn't it? I love it. Right? Yeah. Thank you for the advice, ladies. I appreciate it.
0: Just trust yourself. You have to trust yourself. And it's, it's a learning curve. Absolutely. And you'll figure out what works. But like I said, betting those 20 cent things, I mean, you could bet $2 and 40 cents.
1: Here we go. <laughs>
0: and if you win 10 bucks, beautiful. Five times your bet. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter how much you wager, but at least you're in the game and it makes you think how you need to structure. That's yes. the only way you're going to actually figure it out. And you're not going to know if you like it until you try it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. So good advice. So, have you guys looked at Friday at all?
1: Not guys... yet. I haven't even started yet. I won't do that until after I get this
2: tooth taken care of.
0: I took a peek. There's a sprint yeah. race that I think Carson actually would find really interesting. There's um, Caraval, Robin Sparkles, and Toby Spark. Yeah. <laughs> the Robin Sparkles. Ro- yeah, my girl, Robin Sparkles. Yeah. <laughs>
2: That's a great name. I love That's the I can... best character ever.
0: Yeah. I can even do the example almost. I'll have to do <laughs> that for a live broadcast one day. Bring out my Canadian flag. <laughs> I think. I think I'm really looking forward to that race Friday. I don't know if they have any bets going into the Belmont. I kind of haven't really checked into into that yet. I yeah, the draw.
2: Yeah, so we'll wait for the draw and see how things sit for the weekend. Yeah.
0: So I think what we what to wrap it up. Maybe what we should look at is um, I'm gonna post. I'm gonna handicap it, and I'm gonna post my picks on uh, on X Factor. I'll do the same. Okay. And I think because you know what, it is really hard to solidify who you want at this point mm-hmm. in time. Yeah, but again, I think it, it is a very important discussion, and it comes up every year at Belmont. Do you pick yeah. a stayer or do you pick a closer?
1: Everybody
2: wants a think- stayer.
0: <laughs> oh, sometimes you just want it to be a dime. Yeah. <laughs> 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 a finisher's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking about racing now. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, pro- I,
1: the closers are where my strongest opinions seem to always be. So I can't wait to talk about this next week and see how terribly wrong I was. Well,
0: and that's why I want to, that's why I want to plant the seed because I yeah. want us to actually objectively when the race is being run, yeah. see if we can determine how it was. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Weekend. Let's yeah. keep that in mind for sure. Right.
2: Um, well hopefully i will be there on thursday um if not uh there for jogs then definitely after friday morning can put in some pics i typically like to see them in person i know that's not always feasible um even if this is why photography is so important because you get to see a picture of the horse as they are right then
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh but um,
2: i do love to see how they shift their shipping shipping in from somewhere or you know um it's uh pretty interesting to see their condition um and their personality if you can so i really do appreciate everybody's coverage um in person um so where i think I'll. Wait- where do we
0: yeah. find you so we can watch your pictures what's your so
2: plan? um for twitter um should be on rogue wolf 007 and then um, I'm not sure if I'll be with the clips for the weekend. Uh, it's sort of a last minute decision. Usually, um, it's just making sure they have enough coverage all around. And typically, um, my f- schedule has been flexible enough to where I can plug in, um, and cover for them, but, uh, I will uh, always post stuff on my personal Twitter. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Excellent. All right, mm-hmm. ladies. So thanks for the conversation. And, uh, What's going to be determined under the Belmont? Stay or close or finisher. Look forward <laughs> to having that conversation mm-hmm. next. Time. <laughs> Thank you everybody for listening and uh, have a great Belmont. Hope it's prosperous. And like I said, you can find us on X Factor on Twitter. If you wanna have us discuss anything, please feel free, send a DM. We're looking at maybe answering some questions at some point. So Uh, But that's where you'll find us. We're going to put our pics there and make sure you follow beautiful Carson as she takes amazing photographs. So good luck ladies and let's rock it this weekend. Thank you.
2: Thank you.
0: Bye. Bye.